mentorship assumes that people are lacking something. Like there's a certain deficiency. Oh, I need to mentor you on how to write a briefing note. I need to mentor you on how to lead because you don't know how. Black people lead every single day. We lead in our communities. We lead where yeah. we volunteer. We lead at church. Uh, like when I look at resumes of, of black talent, I'm always like, I thought I was pretty smart. <laughs> and then you meet people and, and you're people like, wow. Like, oh, right? Yeah. Let's get started. Okay. okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Career Slay Talks podcast. I'm Brenda Dogbay, also known as the Career Slay Mama. And today I have the privilege of speaking with Chris Scipio, who is Deputy Director in Canada's Public Service, uh, specializing in Black inclusion, anti-racism, and gender-based analysis plus. An intersectional feminist committed to using his words uh, and his work to dismantle and um, to collect collectively contribute to efforts to dismantle systems that oppress individuals and groups due to their race, their gender, their sexual identity, ability, religion, and other identity factors. And since joining the Federal Public Service in 2010, Chris has worked primarily in strategic policy on a wide range of files, including change management, justice and security, digital government, and performance reporting. He is also involved in public service renewal efforts through his active participation with the Black Employee Networks, the Anti-Racism Ambassadors Network, and through his current role as Deputy Director um, in the Secretariat um, that helps the Federal Black Executive Networks. So outside of his day job, Chris is a father and a past volunteer with uh, Family Services Ottawa and the Canadian Centre for Women's Empowerment, Ottawa Community Immigration Settlement Organization, and is presently a board member with the Institute of Public Administration of Canada's National Capital Region, the Great Canadian Theatre Company, and the Canadian Black Chamber of Commerce. So Chris is a power house and um i used to kind of stalk him online <laughs> and stalk his tweets online to begin with and then we've now had the opportunity as well to to cross paths around the black executive network and so i'm just so excited to have chris on here and um over to you chris maybe tell us a little bit about your background your work and um and then let's let's get deeper into it no definitely and thank you so much brenda for for having me and also, I, want, I know you follow me on Twitter, but I also follow you on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And I truly appreciate all the advice that you're giving to people on how to be true to themselves while still knowing that they're, they're navigating spaces that aren't always meant for us. Right. Uh -huh. So we'll talk about that. But yeah, your your intro was great. That's that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a father, a son, a brother, uh, born in Canada. Uh, to Grenadian parents. Okay. So I always tell people that uh, when I was nine years old, my dad decided to move us to Grenada. Uh, so I did elementary, I finished elementary school in Grenada, did high school in Grenada, and started college. And in those nine years in Grenada, I learned a whole lot about Black identity and mm. Black pride, right? So, you know, you go to the bank, the bankers are Black, the doctors are Black, the prime minister is Black. Um, 
the person begging you for money is black, but the person teaches black. Right? So you get the whole spectrum. Damn right? it. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. So my question is, what was the, what was that like? Like, because you're nine and nine yeah. is pretty um, like my oldest son is nine. So it's that that I can just see where you already formed an identity. So what did that switch do for you? It instilled in me two things, the mm. importance of hard work. Yes. So that, like, you know, even if circumstances are difficult, you know, you work hard so that you can uh, support others and take care of people. But and also that everybody just needs an opportunity. So I've always really held that idea of work hard and black excellence, you know, and yes. anything worth doing is worth doing well. But also the importance of, of just giving someone a chance, an opportunity, you Absolutely. know, I always saw these women who were just working hard like they might be selling vegetables in the market but their kids were going to the same high school with me and their kids were getting straight a's while i was getting b's and a's right so <laughs> and they had more than one kid they had like five yeah. six kids right and all their kids are doing it so you see this sense of like you know like and i don't want to say black women are strong because that this idea of strength it can be used against us but it is true. <laughs> but it is true. So I, yeah. I so I rather see, you know, black women are amazing. Yes. Uh, because they they take very little and make a whole lot with it. And, always. <laughs> and, and I think like that always stayed with me, right? So in the work yeah. I do now, you know, people know that like uh champion and advocating black women is like the most important thing for me, right? Like yeah. I, I have a team of people I've been able to hire. Um yeah, there's both men and women on my team, but there are more women on my team. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about sponsorship, using my voice to amplify things, mm. I'm always thinking about Black women, you know, and what they're going through. So I guess, yeah, that that time in Grenada. Um, it, it's shaped me. you a lot. So what was me. the transition back to Canada, right? And then... <laughs> in terms of school like I won't even put words into it. what was that transition like so I didn't want to come back I'll uh, say that first of all I, I was enjoying Grenada okay yeah. that was, that was nice but the return back was really interesting number one I remember you know we're going to the school to meet with the guidance counselors to figure out which grade to put me in right because I had finished high school in Grenada mm -hmm. but I didn't finish my A-levels, it's like the, the the British exam. So they didn't, they were like, you can't go to university yet. And I'm like, okay, well, fine. But I should go to the last year of high school because I've already done. Right. And they're like, well, we need to assess you. And so my, I remember my dad, he asked me a question about the economy. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, you know, consumption is this and marginal yeah. propensity to, to, to spend. And you can see the guidance counselors being shocked, being like, what is this 18 year old black kid saying right like right and i realized that my dad was intentional he was like i'm going to show these people how smart my son is right right so, so that was there so it was guidance counselors couldn't streamline me when mm. i was like i'm going to york university and they were like well what about going to you know this basketball college? camp or whatever it is oh, that, that they asked exactly and i was like yeah. no i was like no i want to go to law school this is what i'm going to do i'm going to study these subjects this is my gpa and you know and that that idea of knowing your sense of self-worth 
Right. It's so important. Because I had, because uh, when I came back to Canada, and I'm in high school, and you know, I don't want to to be a hater on, on people, but I felt that a lot of the black men or black boys in the school with me felt mm. this idea of like they were living this stereotype, right? So they were always right. like, oh, playing sports, being really loud in the cafeteria, mm-hmm. jokes, not everything but being studious, right? Right. And I came from Grenada where be, to be Black is to be studious. Mm. Right? All my teachers are Black. The professors in the universities in Grenada are Black. The prime mm. minister is Black. So to me, uh, this idea of sounding white or acting white, I don't know what Didn't that means. It didn't even make sense, that right? Sense to me. I came from, no, like you put on your uniform, school starts at 7.45, you do your right. eight subjects, you or up all night doing homework and you're getting straight A's because you get ranked in class, right? So mm. it's this whole different thing. And I had a cousin and unfortunately, you know, he's born in Canada. So being streamlined, steered yeah. towards all that. And his experiences in high school were the complete, completely opposite to mine. Like of course. You know, he was suspended, he dropped out, he had to find himself later. It's it's important, I think, as Black people, uh, whether we're in school or in our career, is to own our narrative and to yes. define who we are mm-hmm. by us for us. Because my cousin was defined by the teachers, by the school as, oh, he's this Black kid, single parent home, he's a troublemaker. Right. But my cousin was so smart. He just wasn't in the right environment to tap into that knowledge, right, that That's he had. Right. Uh, and putting people in the right spaces so that they can excel, you know? So mm. stuff like making sure people are equipped with the right resources is something that's so important to me as, as, a, as a deputy director and as a manager is making sure that my team knows that, okay, what do you need to succeed? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you what you need. It may not be what I need to succeed, but if that's what you need, then I'm going to create that enabling environment. You know? Right, so, right. And on that, I mean, kind of segueing into some of the work that you are doing, like, you know, where we're working in that Black leaders and Black leadership space. Let's talk about exactly, so the pipeline and how uh, Black youth kind of where they start from and how they make it through the system so that uh, they can grow into leaders and some of the challenges we're seeing in terms of building Black leaders. That's That's a good question. Uh, it's a loaded question. Yes. Um, so I, I will focus on the public service, which is where I work, right? Part of it is you sometimes have to see yourself in it to imagine it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm the first person in my family to work in a public service in Canada. Mm-hmm. Right? In Grenada, I have an uncle who made it to deputy minister level, right? So again, yeah. I know Black excellence from Grenada. Yeah, and you've <laughs> seen it, which yeah, probably yeah. also influenced your um, your views. And I'm similar. So my dad is a retired chief economist in the Kenyan government. Yeah. And so grew up seeing, you know, public service as something honorable. I don't think I necessarily saw myself doing it just because, again, they were paid so badly. And there was, <laughs> right. there was a lot of corruption. But um, my dad got to the highest level before it turns political. And so as chief economist, you'd be the equivalent of chief statistician that we have here. And 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 for me, again, seeing that 
shaped in a big way what I could thought was possible. Um, But not all, like, let me not even say not all, very few Black youth in Canada are getting that, right? That's that's the thing, right? So, you know, I got hired as a student. Um, I think it was like the only Black, I started off in Justice Canada. And I was in a, a sector that probably had less than five Black people. There was more than 100 people in the sector. I know that, maybe 150. Wow. Right? They were all pretty junior. And so I, I think part of the issue is you're, you're always a lonely only. So like yes. so you're a student and you get into government, right? As a student and your experiences can be so different depending on the files you get as a student. Right. If you're making photocopies, if you're doing data entry or if you're actually doing real work. Right. I I was lucky. I worked on a public legal education and information. So access to justice. And they had a big conference that was coming up when I got hired. So I actually Mm. got to do briefing papers and discussion documents and and do real content, real content. Yeah. Um, I had colleagues. They weren't black because there was no other black students. But and they were just doing data entry and they hated the experience. But. What I want to go with this is, so, you know, you start off as a student, then the term ends and you're like hoping to be bridged. And the team I'm on was like, well, we don't have any money to bridge you. And being the first person in my family in the public service, mm. I don't have a, an uncle or an aunt to say, so. Well, can I can bring you here. Well, I know somebody who knows someone. Who knows somebody? Do you yeah. know what, what does bridging mean? How do I get a job, Right. And I'm seeing all these other university students not worried at all because their dad used to work in the department. So therefore, even before that student started, all the other executives were like, so-and-so's kid is here now. We got them. Yeah. And you see that and you're like, oh, ain't nobody got me. <laughs> right? So, so that's part of the issue. The other part is this always like not being allowed to shine. And, and, yes. and yes, you know, you're a student, you're a junior, there's a hierarchy in how work goes, right? Like, you know, you know that. But even within that, never being treated like you're, like you have value to bring, not being allowed to lead on the file. So even Ooh, now you have me, now you have me thinking, how did I treat the students I've worked with in the <laughs> past? Like, what did I, what opportunities did I afford them? But these are really key points that you're raising. Yeah, you know, and those are this, you know, those opportunities and, you know, so you're part of a team and you're like, okay, like I want to be this public servant because like you said, service, you know, service is the rent you pay for being on this earth, right? To, to Paris, right. Ali. So, you know, we believe in service, we want to give and you're working really hard, but you're not getting opportunities to move up. If you're new to the public service, you don't know that actually you have to apply for a job to move up. Doing good yes. in your job doesn't get you a promotion. You have and to have- doing working hard in your corner yeah. is not going to get you promoted. That's something I say often because we come from again culturally, we tend to be just work your hard, don't stir trouble. You know, yeah. be in your corner. Somebody will see you and recognize you. No one's coming, <laughs> and then you're seeing people who are mediocre, who are not working half as well, but who come in and then get skyrocketed and you're like 
hello <laughs> about me and you know you're there you probably trained that person when they came right. in and now that you're your boss and you're like well, like what is going on right mm. but that person they know from their mom or dad or uncle who already works in government that as soon as you get a job you start applying for the next job because just take two years yes right? and that it's not a one-page resume in government it's a 10-page resume yes because you have to list all everything the all the details state. start to finish, finish right and you don't know this like actually i'm going to probably date myself but <laughs> i remember getting bridged and there was a course called how to apply to jobs in a public service two-day course offered by the canada school like a those five inch binders right i'm talking like sick like this but why are they offering this course when you're in government wouldn't this have been helpful for us on the outside? If I was outside and trying to get in, get in? right? <laughs> because I remember as a student applying for government jobs and not getting called in and being like, but I have all these qualifications. Yeah. I have this, I did these things. Only to find out if you don't put, I have experienced briefing senior officials like director generals over right. the last two years, you get screened out. You and do. No one tells you that. And, and you can only know that from the inside, which then um, becomes counterproductive. So you raise a key point, which I wanted to kind of pick up on in terms of the system, right? And some of what those, uh, the, the, the systemic barriers that are there, you know, or, or the different phases um, so that the lack of representation just doesn't happen um, magically, but that it just, there are a key specific barriers all along the path. Yeah, no, it is, it is, it is, it is by design. So mm. for instance, um, within the federal public service, um, and I'm using data from, I guess, March, 2022, at, at that time, there were uh, 6,717 executives in the public right. service, right? Yeah. So that is from your director, EX1, all the way up to your deputy minister, the most senior person. You know, in Canada, we love to talk about equality, especially gender equality. You know, right. our prime minister in 2015 has a gender, uh, a, a, a gender, gender parity in, gender his, parity cabinet, in his cabinet. Right. And people say, why? And he's like, well, because it's 2015, right? We got gender parity. So within the executive branch of the public service, we also, quote unquote, have gender parity. There are approximately 3,500 women who are executives. Okay. But you realize that if you dig a little bit deeper and you're like, oh, what type of woman, <laughs> what race, what age, what disability, mm. you realize, so of the 6,717 executives, right. only 128 are Black. That's 1.9%. Say that again. So... Yeah. 128 out of 6, almost 7,000. Yeah. And these are not Black women. These are Black people, period. Period, right? 1.9%. Uh, black, black people are 4.3% of Canada's population and at least 4% of the public service workforce, right? But going back to the gender part, so of the 3,500 women who are executives, there are about 70 Black women. Wow. So 
do we have gender parity in Canada? But if you're uh, a white, cisgendered, able-bodied woman, then yeah, we do. But if you're a black woman, if you're a black queer, if you're a black woman with disabilities, we don't have any of that. And, right. and, and this is where the, the systemic issues come up because mm -hmm. organizations can talk about, we want to diversify our leadership cohort. We right. have these talent development initiatives. So if, if they design these programs without looking into the different experiences, we're gonna have problems. So, you know, following, you know, uh, the, the murder of George Floyd in 2020, you know, organizations are like, oh, we care about Black lives, we want a sponsor, we want a mentorship and all these things. But, well, number one, mentorship assumes that people are lacking something, like there's a certain deficiency. Oh, I need to mentor you on how to write a brief note. I need to mentor you on how to lead because you don't know how. Black people lead every single day. We lead in our communities, we lead where yeah. we volunteer, we lead a church. Um, like when I look at resumes of, of black talent, I'm always mm -hmm. like, I thought I was pretty smart. <laughs> and then you meet people and, and you're people, like, wow. like, oh, right. Yeah. So, you know, those things happen. And we just need opportunities and someone mm. to meet us, right? But we also see, oh, okay, we're going to promote all these new black women to executives and we're going to give them the hardest file, the anti racism file. Hmm. Right. So, you have a brand new executive on a file that is super complex. That can never be solved. That can That's never real, be solved. Right? Like it's like and world peace, world hunger. Yeah. Right? Like. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? They could be solved if we had structural change. If we. Yes. Complete. So, so let's say win. that as long as the system is unwilling to change. Change will never it happen. It is not exactly. So, it's so work, right? no, it, it's a new one, right? So, so you have these new executives. It's like, oh, great. You know, like just. 10 new black executives, we're all happy, right? Yeah. Then you're like, well, what are the executives on? Anti-racism, okay. So they have set up a brand new team. Yeah. There's a, they meet Early the capacity. minister nearly every day, sometimes the minister, because these things are in the news, right? Uh, like you're, you're trying to address racism while you're being sued for racism. So these are like really complex files, right? Yeah. And also, you're trying to fix a system that harms you. And that's what we should talk about mm. also, the, the mental health mm. challenges yes. for black executives, right? But to go back to this, so you know, you're given this really hard file and you're set up to fail because in two years, attention moves on and like, oh, why haven't you fixed the problem yet? So then you're this executive and you're working these late hours, mm. seeing your white colleagues moving up because you know what being the the new director for i don't know stakeholder engagement when you have a team of 100 people and other directors and dgs and a whole bunch of people is a lot you're gonna deliver to deliver on that than when you're the lonely only on this file like Mm. You know, uh, this is something that I can't wait to post this. <laughs> oh, no, but this one, but this I'm one. also like, oh my god, the thing too for me. I remember a couple of a couple of a year or so ago where 
it's not just work, right? And a lot of us do shy away from this anti-racism work because it's so personal. And like my kids are coming home and saying, you know, so-and-so asked me what the N-word is, right? And then my, you know, my husband's dealing with his own drama at work and whatever. And then I'm going, like, I remember once we went out, this was probably just when things opened up with the pandemic and we went out to a restaurant and this woman, like, angry racists screamed at us and it was so much for us to take even my kids were like whoa right like you know it happens but yep. when it happens so blatantly to you and everybody else just turned away and just ignored it like no one called it out we called it out for ourselves and then we left but it's it's not like it's neatly contained right where you you're like okay i'm done dealing with racism at work now let me just go home and and be um so it's 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 not it's multifaceted and it's coming at you in multiple areas and with all of that you're now responsible for delivering on this thing for your minister deputy minister senior management um when your own psychological safety and well-being is not that great neither at work nor just in life in society right you know you you are so right about that it is it is a difficult, difficult place to be in. Like um, I, I've said this on on panels and I read this in my blogs. You know that we are we are working on files to address harm while being harmed by those files and by, by the files. context. <laughs> you know, in those contexts. So you know, so we're in yeah. meetings and we're like, listen, black people are facing career stagnation in the public service. You know, there's another stat to throw out there for you. And I'd love to yes, data. bring it, bring um, it. You know, first of all, you know, we are very fortunate as public service. We have very yeah. good jobs and so like no yeah. doubt about that, right? The pay, the benefits. And, and the nuance even for folks, because I think if folks who are not, say, in Canada or North America, right, again, the Canadian public service is, is really, and not just the public, like federal, I think the, Public institutions in general in Canada are fairly well funded compared to other, say, they countries. They are definitely and so, well. so these are these are roles of privilege, and we don't take any of that for granted. Right? Not at all. It's, we're definitely privileged, but within that, you know, you see, um, like, if you take a hundred thousand dollars as an annual range, right, and right. so that's like your senior policy advisor. So that's your your team lead, yeah. your, uh, you know, the, yeah, like there, there's other senior analysts. Senior advisor, senior, senior policy advisor, advisor, people in that range. Yeah, they're not directors yet, but they're yeah. still, still pretty senior, right? Mm -hmm. Across the public service, about 23% of all public servants make at least $100,000 a year. And then you can break it down by gender. Right. Comes like 21%. By visible minorities, it's like 19%. But black public servants, 15.8%. So there's like a 7.5% discrepancy. Yes. So what we end up having is we have this black talent who are committed to serving a country, uh, who oftentimes have multiple master's degrees or even PhDs because as oh, black yeah. people, you, after you had your head down working hard in your corner yeah. and you're not getting promoted, you're like, it must be me. I need another school. degree. More I need school, another, more competence. More school, more, more competencies. Right. So you go, you do that to come back to be told, I'm intimidated by your resume. Yeah. yeah. I actually had a black woman tell me this. She has she she was told to apply for a job. 
sent the resume. The director calls her back and is like, I'm intimidated by your resume. Wow. Not, oh, this talent would be great for my You're team. You're so exactly. Instead. No, I was told, don't put your PhD on your, don't put your PhD on your resume in government because, um, because, you know, managers will be intimidated by you. But the paradox is that um, I remember I was doing, you know, I won't, I won't name places and names, but long and short of it was that I, no one was listening to me until I put in that PhD candidate. And yeah. then, cause I'd send emails and no member is like, oh, who's this person? Until I did that, then it's like, oh, okay, we'll listen to you. So exactly. it's, it's, these are the kind of things we have to navigate, right? Yeah. And, and that's the, the, the system issues, right? How the system right. is designed, because we're told this is a, a continuous learning, evidence-based, we respect science and knowledge. Right. But a black person, has to always dim their light because of- But also shine it to prove that you're competent. (laughs) You gotta shine it to prove it, but don't shine too bright. Because if you shine too bright- Yes, because then now you're overshadowing. Now you're overshadowing, now people are scared, right? So all of these things are constantly happening. And what this creates is this internal movie in your mind. I might even call it a monologue because- there's multiple people in my mind now that I'm talking to because of all these things we experienced, right? It's yeah. a movie. And you're like, you know, well, do I do this? What about that? Am I angry? Did I misinterpret this? And all of these things, right? Yeah. So for this reason, like the Black Executive Network, which I'm so fortunate to be the deputy director for, yeah. Uh, and leading the secretariat, it, our whole goal is to support Black executives, mm. right? But this, the focus is on the Black executives. So we're very much like an employee resource group, community uh, focused. And one of our big priorities is mental health. Yes. Right? So that includes, you know, promoting mental health resources to our members so they know that they can get counseling and provide them with with Black therapists because we know that contrary to what the media tells you, Black people use mental health services. We use it a lot. We do. seek it out all the time. We Uh may not go to, quote, unquote, the therapist and lay down on the couch. Right. We talk to our spiritual people. Yeah talk to my barber about what's going on in my life. Oh yeah, that's probably hair salons and barbershops. The soccer that's coach, like basketball therapy coach. right there. That is therapy, right? therapy. <laughs> uh, We have our friends when we get together with the guys, with the girls on the weekend. And yes. we're, we're talking about these things, right? Constantly. Constantly. So it's providing those supports. It's also saying, you know what? We know that you're a leader and you face challenges like all other executives. But you have another challenge. You're the lonely only. You're yeah. facing systemic racism. You've uh, never, and you're facing the racism both from around you and from folks who report to you too sometimes. Yes, who are right? mad. Like, who's this Black person? Oh, as a past team lead, I have yeah. had some white folk who were not too happy that they had to report to me. And I was like, you know what? Let me see your analysis. Yeah. See, and this is why you report to me. Okay, there you go. Like, that's why <laughs> you're missing a whole lot of stuff here. Okay, that's right, what it is. Right. And, and do that. So we try to uh, provide, uh, you know, leadership training. And again, 
Black-centric leadership. So mm. one of the things that I think is really important is far too often organizations create these equity initiatives that are right. based on a, a deficiency or a deficit mindset. Oh, you don't know how to do this. We got to teach you this. But the reality is, is that the system doesn't recognize your leadership the way you do leadership. So it's not that you need to learn how to lead. It's okay. How can we show our leadership in different ways so that you know, so that the system is able to recognize it, or so that we're we're not doubting ourselves a lot, you know. So it's just tapping into that, and that, and also changing the narrative, right? Again, that idea of we don't want single narratives, right? It's like black people are leaders; like we lead in so many different ways, right? We do just because. Uh, we work in institutions that celebrate a type of leadership that is very white centric. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that we have a problem, but the problem is the organization. Yes. And how it defines leadership and what we can do um, to, to fix that. But yeah, but and then the other thing I wanted to talk about with um, our network is community. Yes. And a sense of community, right? So you would probably recall when the murders happened in Buffalo. Yes. Right. Uh, and as people living, so I'm based here in Ottawa, uh, traditional Algonquin territory, and a lot of Black folks live in Toronto. And going to Buffalo, like that's what people do, right? Ooh, like, yeah. Oh, we go to Buffalo, and I'm like, okay, like, I don't know yeah. why, but that's the thing, right? People taking those buses, going down with a church to shop, and people like that. So those murders happened, and it was it really hit home to a lot yes. of us, right? This being post George Floyd, departments knew that they needed to say something, right? They needed to send a message. But of course, these departments can't help themselves with centering whiteness. So some sent messages and they're like, this stuff that happened in Buffalo, and it's a reminder about what's happening in this community. And it's like, no, let us focus on what's happening here. This is a black issue. This, but all houses matter, but yeah, this house is burning. My house is burning right now. This house know? is burning. This Let's is not talk about how we can put out theoretical fires exactly. in a theoretical house that's not on fire right now. When there is a house that's burning, you can see it, right? Right. So, like, so that morning, myself and my colleague were like, no, Ben Ren is going to send a message. We're going to write a message. And there's going to be a message from us to us. And it was very much written mm. from us to us, right? It was like, I know we're hurting. Today, we're not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. And today, you know what? You might go into work and you're going to want to leave. And that's okay. But we wrote it for us. And we then had one of our general meetings that same week or the week after. Yes. And people were speaking and they're like, you know, we got the message from the organization and we're like, oh, whatever. But then we got your message, Chris. And that message, you held space for me. Yes. You made me feel seen. You conveyed how I was feeling the emotions. You conveyed the difficulty that we face of always wondering, am I next to, to die? Yeah. That grandmother, that's my grandmother. Yes. Same age. My grandmother goes to church. They take these church. Like, like no, these things are real. Yeah. And and it's it's so hard, this idea of uh, we're constantly mourning people we don't know. 
but we do know them because they're, they're us, right? Like yes. they're, they're our brother, they remind us. And, and that difficulty. So then you come into work and having to constantly navigate that and being like, no, it's it's not business as usual, you know? It and, can't be. And I, it's, it's a strange, strange thing that we have to navigate, right? And then the other thing we have to navigate in this work, and again, why community is important, is that when we look at the pride movement, the disabilities movement, the gender movement, even though all of these things have a huge debt to pay to black leaders, for example, pride doesn't happen without black transgender woman, Marsha P. Johnstone, right? There's no pride mm-hmm. without her. Yet pride has somehow whitewashed and forgotten all about black people. Mm-hmm. So black queers face racism from other queers. Mm-hmm. Black people with disabilities face racism from other people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. People like, oh, well, why do we need a black employees network? Why do we need a black executive network? Why can't you just belong to these other groups? Mm-hmm. It's because we've always been part of these other groups. We've always shown up. Mm-hmm. We've always worked hard. But when we asked you to talk about our needs, you've always forgotten about us. Right. And, you know, it makes me think about the federal black caucus, right? Um, that really said, you know, we are at that forefront of these movements, whether it's the civil rights movements, whether it's the women's march. But when it comes to recalling the, the, I don't want to call it benefit, but the, you know, the advocacy, the, the fruits of the advocacy are not shared. Um, and we tend to, again, suffer the scratches, but then at the end of it, we don't really, we don't benefit from it at all, right? And and for me, in the spaces that I occupy, I often ask, give me the breakdown, because a lot is, and I'm glad that there's work happening, you know, and I'm trying not to talk too specifically about work, but I'm glad that there's working work happening around redefining employment equity, redefining that visible minority so that we're getting the full picture. Um, Data has a big role to play in how we understand Black experiences in Canada, because for the longest of time, we've been embedded. And I, you know, in my opinion, intentionally, so that we don't know the numbers about Black youth being um, detained more. And then the ones that, you know, come out one way or another through census data, we have for a lot of the times, there's just this kind of hiding this stuff. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, just to kind of round things up, um, some of the amazing work that's been achieved through the Black Executive Network. And we recently had this get together. I think it had been planned from before the pandemic didn't happen and finally happened um, post-pandemic. And I can say that that's probably the most life-altering event I've been at in my professional life to be in a room of Black directors, director generals, ADMs, and I think DM, I can't DM, yes. And DM. We don't, we don't have a lot, but she was there. But, but she was there. And, and the energy, like I cannot translate the energy, the buzz, the, the 
the size of relief and and what the validation the mirroring like that night i think for the rest of my life it sounds like it you know i'm not being dramatic but for the rest of my life i think i will look back at that and whenever i'm sitting in that lonely only i have that place to revisit in my mind of what that night was and and so can we just talk about that because it was just Amazing. Talk about yes. that night. And, uh, you See, know, I got and too excited in my camera. I was, was going like, to say okay, the camera relax, was like, relax. Relax. We're, We're not done ahead. yet. <laughs> but you know what? So, leading up to that, myself and Victoria Simba, so uh, we both lead the secretariat for Benren. And we were like, you know, what should be on the agenda? Like, should we have speakers? Should we have this? And we're like, you know what? Let's celebrate Black joy. Yes. That was the intention. Black mm. boy, right? And celebrate, so, we did. Celebrate. Because we often talk about the struggle, right? Like I said, 1.9% yeah. of executives. Okay. Um, career stagnation. All being, the factors. All the factors. You know, being not having career advancement at the same pace as your colleagues, even though yeah. you start at the same time and you have all the qualifications and all that stuff, right? Yes. And also, changing the narrative like you know people talk about black excellence but oftentimes black excellence has meant i have to work twice as hard to get half as and far. sacrifice my mental health and sacrifice mental health. my family time and everything else right yeah. and we're like that's not what black excellence means mm. black excellence is celebrating black joy it yes. is defining blackness by us for us yeah right so if you want to use the the adjective of strong black person. You could use that because strong doesn't mean you don't deserve softness yes. or you don't deserve kindness. Strong means that with all these barriers, I still find ways to persevere and continue. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean give me pain. I don't want pain. No one wants pain. No. Right? And don't give me undue pain and assume that I'll somehow handle it better because I'm somehow pain. wired to yeah. be okay with pain. Yeah, we don't want that, right? Um, yeah. Hard work is, you know, a different thing. You know, I, I am not an angry black man. I am passionate. I care. I have a whole lot of empathy because I can't be at a table smiling if people are suffering right next to the table, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, so our whole idea with that event was we're going to come together. And we're going to say thank you and we're going to celebrate and it was very casual right like, there was no assigned seating um people mingled we were, were also intentional about supporting black businesses right so we went to a restaurant that is and and they had some fried plantain yeah. personally i would have liked for a little callaloo and macaroni pie yeah but take it how you get it right yes <laughs> you know Maybe next year we'll go to an Ethiopian restaurant or a Kenyan restaurant or a Nigerian right. restaurant and get something different. But the idea was just to come together to celebrate and so that people could see each other, knowing that they're not the lonely only. And there were a few people at night who came to me and they said, you know what, Chris? I talked to this other executive and they just helped me solve three problems I had because they're like, oh, this happened to me two years ago. This is what I did. Oh, you should talk to this person because they shared your network, right? And this whole idea of each one teach one. Yes. You know, you can lean on me. 
I am here for you. And, and mm-hmm. that is what we're trying to create. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's what it's all about. It's all about community. Yes. Right. It is really, really about the community. I want to see my community flourish. Yes. And, you know, I didn't give a, a formal speech at the event, but I did talk to people in little pockets and my message was the same, you know, let's flourish. I want to see you smile. Um, I want to make sure that you succeed in your day job, because if the day job is doing well, then you have time to do the other stuff I need you to do. Right. I don't want you to advocate and champion a bunch of stuff. And then you're like, Hey, I lost my job and now I got to help you and help more people. No, I don't want that. Right. You want a community to be safe, but we also realize that our community is not monolithic. We mm-hmm. are diverse people. So you mentioned you know, your, your Kenyan heritage. And I am Grenadian. My son is um, Grenadian Somali. His mom's from Somalia, right? And we have all of it. So at that meeting, there were people from Haiti. There were people oh, yes. from Congo, Jamaica. The diversity, like the diversity in us, the all the shades, all, all, all the, the beautiful, shade. amazing Afro-Nova Scotians, people who have yes. been 400 years were there, right? Um ages everybody like we were all there in the community and because you know when we're at work people there's oh you're just black but no like i have unique experiences that i do believe it or not like (laughs) you know it's it's different like and it's not just in language it's our understanding of issues it's the names we use for stuff like all these different things right Mm -hmm. um but yeah, no, like Benren is it's it's really about community and community excellence. And you know, I tell this to to people I meet with, to executives and everyone. You know, there's a well, there's a few things I always say, but one to the Tony Morrison quote that when you get these good jobs, your real job is to empower other people. It so is. I want to know that you know, right now we have 128 executives. We should double that to the extent we can. So the people who are ADMs and DGs, they need to hire black people. Mm-hmm. And directors need to hire black talent. But at the same time, you have to support them so they succeed. So don't just hire them because they're black. Hire them, give them the right files. Uh, in fact, just because you're black does not mean you want to do anti-racism work. To be honest, and 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 yes. not to cut you off, but I think that was probably the other piece of advice that I got very early on in my career, where I had a mentor, and um, I just finished my master's. I was doing this research um, placement, and he said to me, "He's probably one of three persons of color that I've had as as managers." And, and one of three <laughs> in my whole entire, whatever, 15, 20 year career. And he said to me, Brenda, don't do um, gender work just because you're a woman. And he said, don't do um, whatever, like don't don't box yourself and, and don't do exactly. So at that time, we weren't yet talking about EDI, but I think the main thing at that time was, was gender. And so okay, don't yeah. box yourself in the gender stuff. And I was in the global health space. So he said also, don't do Africa work because you're African. Do it if you want to. But he said, become the Latin America expert, become the Asia expert. And it was very 
like, really? You know, it was very, it was very pivotal. But what it did for me is it just made me not want to box myself. And it's not to say that we shouldn't operate in this space and in this work, but we should also be the, the science expert, right? Exactly. And be the, the expert on economics or whatever, and, and allow ourselves to not only be boxed or seen in that space, even though we it, it's valuable work and we do it. And right now that's where we both are um, and it's necessary, but there's also opportunities for us to, to expand beyond that too. That is the thing. And like for me, you know, so like my master's degree is in conflict studies. So peace and conflict resolution. So to me, doing anti-racism work and equity work isn't because I'm a black man. It is because I am I have expertise in conflict resolution. Right. Right. And I know we have conflict because of identity. So if my racial identity is not being respected or my gender identity or my uh, physical ability identity is not being respected. Right. Then I'm not a whole person. Like so my sense of self is, is going to be affected, but then also how I interact with people in the community is affected. Right. And then how do you fix that? And I learned about skateboarding. So like it's 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 doing this work. Because of like you said, I am qualified to do this work. Mm. Being black gives me lived experiences. Yes. But there's a whole lot of black people who do not support the work that I do. There are. And and part of that is those are the offshoots of that systemic racism, yeah. right? That a... we've been also socialized in that system. And a lot of people have also internalized. That's um, so true that racism in in a way that sometimes they're aware of but that they're not so kind of to bring things together um what would you say to that um upcoming black leader like i know that the black executive network um works directly with black executives um in the federal public service just to be clear yes. um what do you say to that mid-level or even entry level um, aspiring black professional in Canada. And, you know, if you want to make it more specific in the federal public service, but in Canada in general, like yeah. what do you, what advice, encouragement do you have for them? I'll, tr I'll try to keep it short because a lot of advice. Um, yeah. I'll try to keep it to five things. Okay. Uh, number one, when in Rome, do like the Romans. Mm -hmm. So I think as Black people, we're humble. I work hard. I don't boast. No. Be bossy. Okay? Get that, put on Idris Alba and that song with Steph London and all that bossy. <laughs> I thought that, you said that. I'm like, wait, did I? Did you just say boast? Yes, bossy. And, and play it often. The reason yes. being, no one is going to champion you more than you're going to champion yourself because we don't have sponsors the way we should. And Harvard Business Review did a great article about the importance of sponsorship, there's no doubt. But Black people are less likely to have sponsors. Yeah. So you need to champion yourself. Number two, do not be defined by your job description. Many of us, because of career stagnation, are in jobs that don't allow us to show all our talent. I know uh, people with PhDs who work in call centers as PM1s. Yep. So yes, you call entry back. But that person can do all kind of reverse data analysis. They right. can lead focus groups. They can uh, consolidate data and break mm. it down, right? 
So try to find uh, networks, working groups, other activities you can be on. But I also tell people, don't go on to social networks. We're not here to make parties at work and do potlucks, no. Be part of the performance reporting working group. The mm. procurement, like stuff outside of your day jobs so that other people can see you. And the reason for that is we have, because of systemic racism, bosses who, while they may not explicitly say racist things to you, by not saying your name in the room, by not giving you recognition, right. they're undermining your career. So you need to make sure other yes. people see your talent so that they can um, speak, speak to you and, and be supportive. Uh, number three, have a network, have a community. Like it is really important to make connections with your fellow black colleagues um, in different parts of the organization so that you can talk to someone and say, you know, this happened to me today. Was, was this racist or am I losing my mind? And they're going to be like, and this actually happened uh, with a black employee network that I'm part of. Somebody was right. something. And we're like, nah, sister, that was racist. That was racist. <laughs> and uh, this is what I would do. And we all shared with them what we would do. Right. They didn't take the advice, but they knew they weren't delusional. Right. <laughs> right. And it was real. So that's important. Um, number four, spend time in blackness, like read mm. black fiction, like read Octavia Butler, read Toni Morrison, James Baldwin, mm. uh, like Viola like, Davis's book, Viola is Davis's great, book, becoming, like becoming, like Michelle Obama's this, a new one, the like, yeah, like Harry. Do this, do this stuff because it's going to remind you of just how amazing we are mm -hmm. and how broad our light is, right? Like we do so much and it's important to shift that narrative. Yes. Um, number five, to paraphrase the amazing Audrey Lord, uh, who by the way is part Grenadian. Ooh. Yeah, her mom, I'm telling you, I, I come from revolutionary blood in yeah. um, self-care. But self-care is not just candles and meditation. It is full on disconnecting, yes. spending time I'm with loved plugging. ones. Like I, I, I've been on, I took vacation December 19th. And this is the first time in my career I have never, I did not check my email at all. My computer has been off. I don't know if it's going to come on you. Monday. It may not work because, you know, if you've been off the network for three Your weeks. password, you don't even know it. But I don't know. My work phone broke. I didn't get it fixed. I was like, I'm going to wait to New Year because I was like, I need to unplug because we're in this work 150 miles an hour. We're going, we're going, we're going. And we don't take time, you know. And there was a time my son was like, Dad, you're always in these meetings. Dad, you seem really stressed out. Mm. And now he's just say that. No they, more. See, they see us they see and they it. see what we're doing and what yeah. we're not doing. And, and I and I listened to that. And now he's like, oh, dad, yeah, you want to play games with me? Sure. And he's like, dad, you're so jokey now. You're fun. And I'm like, yeah. So those things are really important. Like to really, you know, so again, take ownership of your career. Don't be defined by a job description. Um, celebrate Black success, Black celebration. So not just the, 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 the trauma part, which is real. But talk yes. about the other parts. Uh, build a network. And, and take time to heal, to pause, to recharge. My, my cup cannot run it over 
if it's drained and I can't help you. And if you're not filling it up. I'm not filling mine, right? So all all of those things uh, put together. Um, And yeah, and also like, I guess this is 5B, uh, be patient with yourself. Yes. Um, Because you never know how things are going to change, right? Uh, One year ago, I was not part of the Black Executive Network. I was doing something else, right? Yeah. And what I've been able to achieve in the last eight months, the impacts, um, the career achievements, the briefings, the things that I'm doing, it's amazing. And, and that, you know, and it goes back to what I said earlier about opportunity. Someone said my name in the right room and they're like, Christopher would be good for this job. I didn't know this job existed. Uh I didn't even know this network existed. They then came and was like, Chris, I said your name. They want to interview you. I was like, oh, okay. And it just happened. And so I am now paying it forward, right? I've hired more people. I hired people who were facing career stagnation. I promoted them so that they're at an appropriate level. Yes. Really this, um, I just want to see us flourish. Like that, that is all I want is for people to flourish. And, and to have an equal opportunity to flourish, right? Flourish. Which means we have to do things that are, they're not the same. Like we will not accord the same. We'll do some things to fix the equity just so we all have a fair chance to, to, to flourish. So thank you so much for your time. I, you know, this has been such an amazing conversation. Where can folks find you? Um, if they're looking to read here, this is the shameless promotion plug for right. folks who want to read more folks want to learn. So again, this podcast is, 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 from a black centered black canadian centered perspective but it's certainly open to other folks to find me on twitter uh at scipio ck that's s-c-i-p-i-o-c-k um i just started a blog blog post also on medium.com so if you go to medium.com and you search at scipio ck you'll find my post there and then I'm on LinkedIn as well, Christopher Scipio. So Good. as you find me, um, I, I tweet about Black inclusion, about gender equity, anti-racism. I share resources, articles. Um, I'm always happy to speak to someone. But I tell people, I could talk to you about a lot of things all year long and not just exactly. in February. And so. Black history doesn't start nor end exactly. <laughs> in February. And I just wanted to say a huge thank you again for for your time, for, for being a part of the Curiously Talks podcast. Uh, you know, I am so honored, Brenda, that you called me and invited me to be on this. And again, I want to thank you for what you're doing, uh, Curiously. Like, you are helping a lot of uh, Black town, especially Black women, take control of their career, find ways to shine their light, find ways to heal and move forward. And that's really important. Like, you're doing stuff to help people flourish. And I am so lucky and blessed that I get to call you a friend and that I can collaborate with you and that I know that you're going to help me with the work that I'm doing and I'm helping you. 